Anna here. Did you know I have another podcast? And did you know it's all about failure? Well, at this point, you'd have to answer yes to both of those questions because I just told you. But my other show isn't just about failure. It's about failing your way to success. Yes, success. Because the most successful people are often just the people who've gotten up the most times after their failures. Don't believe me? Go download Fail Your Way to Success wherever you get your podcasts or go to failyourway.com for more info. Now back to the show. Make no mistake, if you're an author, you're an entrepreneur. You're selling the world on your book, aren't you? Of course, it's not as easy as launching a business and then tossing any old book up on Amazon. That's why I help entrepreneurs publish books on the specific topic and in the specific way that will launch or grow their businesses. Welcome to Entrepreneur Publishing Academy with your professor, Anna David. Well, hello there and welcome to Entrepreneur Publishing Academy, a.k.a. EPA. A.k.a. EPA is a pretty confusing sentence, but otherwise known as EPA. Whew, enough of that. Um, I'm your host, Anna David. Uh, you do know that this is brought to you by Book Elevator Pitch, which you can access at bookelevatorpitch.com, where you will get a template and examples for your Book Elevator Pitch. So today, uh, I have a special treat for you, just like I do every week, but this one's more special because this one is all about how to pre-sell books before you even write or hire somebody to write and publish your book for you. Mm-hmm. It is an interview with Dan Nicholson, who's, um, y- you know, like a crazy sort of beautiful mind level genius, and he has written a book where he shares his secrets with you. He graduated summa cum laude from Seattle University. Um, he worked at all these Fortune 500 companies. He uh, has been named CPA Practice Advisors 40 Under 40 list of global accountants four times. But that's not what his book is about. That's not what he's passionate about. He's passionate about what he had to unlearn from all of those impressive things. And now through his 20-week online course, Certified Certainty Advisor, he teaches other people how, how to, quote, get lucky. So I'm honored to say that Legacy Launchpad is publishing his book. It is now out, and it is called Rigging the Game. And as he explains in this episode, if he's going to write a book called Rigging the Game, he better rig the book game. And that is exactly what he did. He wanted to test out if he should even do a book. And so he pre-sold copies. The way he did it is pretty ingenious. So um, I'm going to let you listen. And if you would like the show notes, which has links to related episodes and uh, where you can get Dan and his book and a special link for his book, which you want to get, go to LegacyLaunchpadPub.com slash blog slash Nicholson. And now I give you Dan Nicholson. Thanks for doing this, Dan. Yeah, thanks for having me on. So let's talk about what I think is very fascinating, which is you were able to pre-sell copies of your book. Please tell me and the listeners how you were able to do that. Yeah, well, first off, the, the title of the book is called Reading the Game. And so I felt like if I'm going to use a preposterous, ostentatious, and a slightly pretentious 
title like rigging the game that I bet better actually rig the game to sell the books. Fair. Otherwise, I would just look like a giant asshole. I mean, I might look like that either way, but it felt like I had to rig the game to sell a book called Rigging the Game. If you were ever going to look like an asshole, it would be when you were wearing your team mascot chicken outfit. Was it chicken? I'm offended by that. It's a red hawk. It's not a chicken. And, a much fiercer, fiercer bird than a chicken. And and you paid money to do that. Nobody was paying you. You were paying for the opportunity. Yeah, that's factually correct. Okay. Not, not, my defense, my defense. Uh, it was a good uh, cause. Fundraiser, fundraiser for my school, Seattle University. And the fundraiser was the first outing after we had our first daughter. That first in that sentence. And so I had not consumed alcohol in a while. And I was tired. Very, very tired. So, you know, they make sure in these auctions, rightly so, to give you alcohol as quickly as possible. Smart. You're barely in the door. You've got two drinks in your hand. They are ready to take your money. And so I'm looking through the list of things. And I see mascot. I'm like, this would be, I would be entertained by this. I should raise my power. So it comes up on the list. And there's all these things like a, a rare collection of 100 bottles of wine and these great trips and all this stuff. And then mixed in between is who wants to be Rudy the Red Hawk. Right? So somebody raises their paddle and uh, my, the bidding has begun. So I raised my paddle. And that was the last paddle that was raised. And we're not going to ask how much you paid because it will um, it will we we really want the listeners to respect you is the thing. Um, if I'm feeling masochist, no, if I'm feeling abusive, I will link to that video in the show notes, but the TBD. Um, so, okay. So I feel like I showed off some pretty good dance moves in that mascot in my defense. I think it's fine that you think that. No, they are, they're not bad. They're not bad. And I'm a trained dancer. Because yeah. so, I feel like you're going to like to it. I feel like that's probably happening regardless, or at some point you're going to share it. Probably. Also, in my defense, when you be, when you wear the mascot out, I, I learned a couple of things. One, don't get drunk and go to an auction and, and raise your paddle because turns out not very many people want to be the mascot, so you're just going to win. Yeah, so that's the first thing. The second thing is small boys really want to hit you in the privates and try to rip off the mascot costume. So while I'm trying to dance with this whole like kid dance that they do. What's not properly captured in the video is how many boys are trying to hit me in the privates at the same time and rip off my mask or rip off the head. So, fair, fair warning. Um, those people who aspire to be mascots. Um, okay, I'm going to do something really annoying. I'm going to cut this part. Will you plug the mic in again? Now it sounds weird. I'm sorry. Why am I apologizing for your mic? You're going to thank me later. Talk, please. Is that better? Yeah, it's a million times better. Let's just, okay, we're going to keep doing, cutting that part. Okay, so let's talk about how you were able to pre-sell these books. What did you do? Yeah, so there was kind of two, two steps. The first was trying to justify if I even was going to do the book to begin with. And I had this sort of, this is one of the principles that I actually write about in the book, which is to take a micro step and have a predefined target. So it's like, mm -hmm. Let me take a small step. And the predefined target was, can I sell 100 copies? And if, 100 people from my list. So I posted in this uh, Facebook group, a few people bought, but what I did was that I, I, 
when they bought, they got an email, which was, hey, if you uh, share that you purchased like a screen grab, uh, that you purchased the book and post it in the group and say, Dan, please give me this bonus. I bought your book and I'll give you a bonus. So yes. then you would open up. So like 10 people bought right away and you go into the Facebook group and there's just post after post after Dan, I bought your book. Um, I want your, you know, please send me the bonus. Now what people are doing is like, well, what is the bonus? So then FOMO kind of kicked off and then, we sold hundred copies pretty quickly uh, from that sort of getting them to buy, but then having them post to then create FOMO so that other people would want to buy to get the bonus. And of course they would post. And so then it kind of pretty quickly escalated and we sold the hundred, actually we sold a couple hundred from that like little campaign. That is genius. How big is the Facebook group? So there was like a thousand people in the group and like almost 200 bots. Those are good numbers. And what was the bonus? It was a pre-recorded couple of trainings that we already had as assets kind of laying around. What if it was the video of you as the mascot? That would have been a bummer. Or maybe very exciting. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I mean, we'll never know. We'll never know. Okay. So so you priced it. You said, I, I should know this, but you, you told them it was how much? Or how did you figure that out? How'd you decide? <laughs> I told them it was $97. So I sold $297. And um, I didn't realize that it was actually that much genius. Okay. And so then you said, I don't know when you're even going to get this. Is that what you said? I did. So let's talk a little bit about who these, who these people are. They, are. they are big Dan Nicholson fans in this group. What is this group? Yeah, they are, they are business owners primarily, or what I would call purpose-driven entrepreneurs. So they want their business to exist to serve them. And, um, mm. and so it's not like a, we got a 10 X everything kind of thing. It's more like the answer depends. It depends on what you want. And so they'd seen my face and heard that content for quite a while. And I had built up a reputation with them that, Hey, for some reason, I'm not going to do this. I'll refund you. So if I don't get to a hundred or I think I said, if, if I don't get to 20, uh, I'll just refund you. And the beauty was, is that it was a principle that I already taught them about taking a micro step and then having a predetermined target. And so it's like, here's me just doing the thing that I tell you to do. So part of the, part of the like follow-up afterwards was I'm going to show you how I actually sold them. Hey, and it's just doing the thing that we teach you to do. That's going to be in the book, by the way. I love that. And so they, in addition to getting a copy of the book, what else are they getting? They got some trainings on how I sold a hundred copies and some other assets that we'd already, already had laying around. Oh, I see. And so how long between you doing that and uh, the book release, how much time passed? That was about two years ago. So it was okay. a while ago. So it's a uh, patient group. Pretty patient group. Uh, between uh, those kind of initial 200, I sold another almost 2,600 copies about a year after that. <laughs> um, okay, so, so let's talk about that. So, so you said, okay, well, I sold 200. I'd like to sell more. Yeah, so at that point, so I sold the 200 and then I was kind of self-publishing and I thought, well, maybe I'll see if I can get a, a publisher and uh, someone I, that I connected with 
through this website called Publishizer, which is like a crowdfunding. Oh yeah. Selling books. They'd, they'd asked me to run a, run a campaign. And so I thought about it and I looked to see who the top seller was. Like, okay, again, if I'm going to call this rigging the game, I have to beat the current top seller. Also, side note, I have an unhealthy relationship with competition. So I'm always kind of thinking that I have to outsell someone, which is, you know, a whole other part of my. Or a very healthy uh, relationship with competition. Yeah. So, uh, so what was going on? Uh, okay. So I decided to do this campaign and uh, I was also launching this business called Certainty You or rebranding an existing business more accurately. And uh, I have an, an app that's kind of related to my curriculum, related to what the book is going to be about called the Certainty App. And so I was kind of trying to figure out uh, how can I get as many users on to the Certainty App? And so I thought, well, let me create a credential around the Certainty Operating System because it's a different way of kind of approaching things. And I'm going to create sort of an army of what I call certified certainty advisors. And they're going to want to push their clients to use this app because the app helps them implement the methodology. So creating a curriculum to get more users onto the app. And I thought, okay, well, I'm going to use this curriculum to finish creating the content for my book. This is something I teach in the book as well called the four lenses. And I'm basically trying to create what's called asymmetry. I want significant upside to the downside. And so I'm kind of creating this flywheel where uh, if I do the, the, the course, I'm going to put more people, I'm going to get more people to use the app. Uh, and if I create the course, I can get the remaining content for the book. Mm-hmm. So that's sort of all interconnected. And so what I did was I told people, if you want to sign up for the course, uh, you have to buy at least 200 copies of my book. And I will, whatever you purchase in total quantity uh, will go towards you. If you're selected into the program, then it will be applied towards your tuition. So you go, you got to buy at least 200 copies. That's, That's part of your application. And then if we select you, we'll credit you the purchase amount towards your tuition. So of the Yeah, yeah, go on. I was going to say, so of the 2,600 copies that I sold over the two-week campaign for this pre-sale, about like 1,800 of them came from, 1,800 to 2,000 came from uh, my audience of people who wanted to be part of this new curriculum and certification. And in terms of practical steps, how'd you take the payment? If somebody listening wants to do this, don't get intimidated by Dan's numbers because it can be any number. You could try to sell, you know, 100, 200 books. But how did you actually, did you set up a payment page? What did you do? Yeah. So Publishizer has their own sort of payment thing built into their crowdfunding app. But uh, so that's how those sort of 2,600 copies were processed. For the first 200, it was like a very, very simple uh, checkout page through. Kartra, mm-hmm. really you could use any kind of landing page with Stripe built into it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the way I typically sell is if you got a, a post or an email that goes to like a Google doc, that has some uh, explanation of what's going on. And then that has a link to a checkout page. And yeah. then if enough people buy, then I'll take the next step and turn the Google page into an actual landing page. Anna here. Now, are you an entrepreneur who wants to write and publish a book about your own failures turned successes? 
Well, good news, that's what my company, Legacy Launchpad, does. Find out more at LegacyLaunchpadPub.com. That's LegacyLaunchpadPub.com. Now, should you do a book, you ask? I think so. Why? Because you're worth it. Now back to the show. I love it. And by the way, I, I had Jesse Krieger on the podcast. He's since left pl- Publishizer, which I think has a different name, but mm. we, did a, we did an episode exactly about crowdfunding. Um, with him. And so let's talk about, so, so the book, would you call the book, the sort of cheat sheet to what people would get by it? Okay. So the program on your website, it's right now it's selling for $997, correct? Uh, That's a different, um, I'm not sure the program you're looking at. Our certified certainty advisor program, which is a 20 week course, and then includes a year of of, um, monthly Q&A, four quarterly summits, that's 45,000. Okay, what I'm looking at is the secret to thriving in any economic cycle, which is a course, I guess. Mm, is yeah, that still available? That is, a course, that is a course that I did a couple of years ago. That was a course that predated building out the certified certainty advisor stuff. So that's a pre that's not a live course, that's a pre-recorded. Sorry, sorry guys. If you want the live course, so how are you using the book to um, educate people about the program? So the book is essentially a um, cond- very condensed version of the 20-week course. And so as you read through the book, and if you want more kind of case in points and practical application, and how could I make this part of my business, or how could I teach this to other folks, then you'd want to enroll in the course. Mm-hmm. The thing about the course, the biggest value add to the course is not just the course, but as cliche as it sounds, it's like the 20 other students that are within your cohort. Yeah. So in each of these cohorts, it's incredible how close they're like, I can't guarantee this, but they're like best friends. And they're like, nobody understands me better than you, because what we're teaching is these principles and fundamentals, but also we're teaching you to what we call play your game, which is lean into who you are. Mm-hmm. And maybe, and sadly, most of the programs that are out there are like, Hey, become so someone totally different. That's how you're <laughs> going to be successful. Mm-hmm. And so they've come from all these programs where they didn't get results and they were told there's only one way to do it. And they were told to become someone else. And when they didn't get results, they were told, well, that's because your mindset is wrong. And they come into our program. It's like, well, actually your greatest strength is your greatest strength. So why are we ignoring yeah. your greatest strength? And what are some of the results that you've seen? I mean, if people are yours, your program is not about let's just make more money. It is a full lifestyle. Wouldn't you, is that accurate to say? Yeah, it's how to live a what I would, how is it's how to be a purpose-driven entrepreneur. So what does that mean? It means that your business, your investments, your assets exist to serve you, which seems obvious. Why wouldn't they? Why wouldn't they exist to serve you? but most of our businesses, we're serving it. It's not serving us. And so to me, the biggest risk in life outside of death is not getting what you want. Mm. That cliche story being on your deathbed and looking back and reflecting and all these what ifs. And so our, what we teach is uh, how to basically play your game, be who you are, uh, fund what you want in your life, 
but through this orientation of least amount of effort, least amount of risk, most amount of options. Mm-hmm. So I didn't say no effort. I didn't say no risk. It's relative to all the possible outcomes, right? Because it turns out that most entrepreneurs are taking the most amount of effort, taking on the most amount of risk, and they put themselves in a position where they have no options. Mm-hmm. Either it works or I'm doomed. Mm-hmm. And there's a better way. It doesn't have to be that way. And so that's what we teach. And you had to go through quite a journey to get to the point where you understood this. Like you were the guy who did all the quote unquote right things. Yeah. And what happened once you reached the sort of height of success of doing all the right things? Yeah, I had to unlearn a lot of things. So I went to business school and worked for one of the big global um, consulting firms, Deloitte, and clients for small companies like Microsoft and companies that were funded by people like Warren Buffett. And so I did all the you know, things that look really good on a resume. And then I ultimately wanted to be an entrepreneur. I start running businesses and I'm just getting slapped in the face, mm-hmm. punched in the gut, whatever physical uh, attacks that you want to think of. I'm like, but I'm doing all the right things. You know, I'm doing all the research. I got mentors. I'm signing up for all these programs. So I'm finding these experts in areas that I'm not an expert. Why is it not working? And that's when I realized that uh, a small distinguishment that changed everything, which is in uh, Fortune 500 businesses or publicly traded company, you have one single mission, and that is to maximize shareholder value. Everything you do comes back to maximize. And so you have a fiduciary responsibility as a CEO of a company like that to maximize. Now, the problem as a, as a small business owner is you do not have the resources to maximize. Maximize to have the most today. You have to optimize. What, and so optimize is what's the most efficient path forward towards the things that you want. Mm-hmm. And so it may sound like nuance, but once you realize that I'm moving from maximize to optimize, you realize that, well, all the business tools I'm being taught are based off maximize. But if I need to optimize, I have to learn something new. Mm-hmm. So that realization as simple as it is, it's simple, but not easy to move from maximizing to optimize is then what led me to coming up with kind of this whole operating system and rewiring the way that I approach things. And how long ago did you first come up with it? Uh, I realized the maximize versus optimize about six years ago. So it took me about six years of (laughs) trial and failure, trial and error to realize, hey, uh, this isn't working, but I have at that point had thousands of clients like they're it's not working for them either. They're actually having right. the same problems. So there's got to be a better one. And so um, is, oh my God, you just made me absolutely forget. It's your fault. What I was about to say um, is the book for small business owners. Is it for all entrepreneurs? Who, who is the book for? So it's for the business owner who identifies as purpose-driven. purpose-driven. And, and my wife was like, what? No one knows what purpose-driven is. And to which I said, well, that's why I picked it. Because then people ask you, what is purpose-driven? And I learned that lesson a long time ago. When my first part of my career, uh, very first part, I was just out of college. I was single. And I was uh, doing a fellowship where I was writing an accounting standard. And Connecticut outside of New York City. So there's like no single 22-year-old like 
females or very few. And so you can imagine you go out to a bar and they're like, oh, what do you do? Like, oh, I write accounting standards. Like, okay, so you're basically the most boring person in this entire bar. And there's a lot of boring people here. So I realized I had to say like something like I'm a business person. They'd be like, what is a business person? Um, and, uh, and so similar with the purpose-driven uh, entrepreneur is like, well, what is that? And so that is, uh, long story long, a, a person who they want their business to serve them. It's not about 10x. It's not about the hustle mentality. It's about I started this thing for a very specific reason or set of reasons. And I'm going to make sure that it's actually getting me closer to that. I love it. Um, and it's very similar to your business partner, Nick Peterson's whole thing. Um, you guys should buy bumpers and rigging the game together, put them both in your Amazon cart. Um, you know, because his whole thing is, is very similar. It's like, what do you need? Work towards that. And he's like, I really value naps. That's, that's what I want to be able to maximize for. Yeah. And he does. I can, I can, uh, Attest to having seen <laughs> Nick nap many, many times in the most uncomfortable. I have pictures that I will send you if you want them of just you know, the most uncomfortable sleeping positions you can imagine. I believe that. I believe yeah. that. Now, and so let's talk briefly. We, ha- we have to wrap up soon. But this, how did you, how did the guy sitting in, you know, the 22-year-old guy sitting there seeming like accountant, business person, how'd you build this audience, this group, these people? Uh, the short answer is just being uh, relentlessly curious slash annoying. Mm-hmm. So once I kind of get fixated on something, like how does that work? How did how did so I started doing kind of the quote unquote internet marketing stuff eight or nine years ago, and it was pretty quick to identify that the approaches that were being taught out there just didn't work for me. And so I'm a believer back to the like play your game that. I'm not like a bubbly, big personality, right? Um, but there, there, um, I believe that there is at least a hundred people out there that my approach would be interesting to them. And so I just started with that. So like, I can't pretend it's not going to be sustainable for me to pretend I'm someone I'm not. I'm not that good of an actor, believe me. And so I'm just going to lean into to my. Uh, sense of humor to my animal print shirts. So I got a cat shirt on today. You can't see it. This is audio. Um, I'm just going to lean into that and put out the things that are interesting to me Um, because at least no matter what, back to reading the game, at least if it's interesting to me that if no one watches, I can at least look back and go like, well, I enjoy doing that. But how'd you find those people, those initial people? Uh, Mostly through, um, partnerships or joint ventures. So just as an example, last week I did a webinar and, uh, and uh, these joint venture type webinars where there's a topic that's mutually interesting to both of both parties, right? So you market to your list, they market to, to theirs, you come together, now you have all their emails. Right? And so doing those over a series of years where you're accumulating I'm trying to give as much value as possible, play my game. So I'm not trying to pretend that I'm someone that I'm not because again, I'm not that good of an actor. And over time, you kind of build up a list. Now, a lot of those people, when you follow up with them later, they drop off because they're like, I don't want to actually be on this list. But if you're consistent about it 
and consistent enough with playing your, again, your game that over a series of three to five years, you have this cohort of like a thousand true fans that if you email them, they buy. Yeah. So it's, it's playing the long game. Yeah. Rigging the long game. One might say. Rigging the long game. That's yeah. TM. Um, um, TM. Yeah. We'll, we'll, I better, I'm going to go trademark it right now. I'll beat you. No. Um, now, okay. So what would be your advice, your number one bit of advice for anybody thinking of launching a book? Take a micro step. So, uh, and, and what's the, so micro step is the principle I teach in the book, but absent any data. So you've never written a book. So you don't even know if you're going to enjoy it. You don't know if anyone's going to buy it. So those are two pretty significant risks. I don't know if I'm going to like doing this thing and I don't know if anyone's going to buy it. So what is the smallest step, absent any data, what's the smallest step that I can take to get to inform my behavior? So for me, that was, okay, well, if I can get 100 people to buy, then that's going to be a forcing function that I'm going to commit to working on it, right? Writing it. Now, now I've put a big enough, a good enough target that I'm going to bring in enough that's going to justify me taking the action. Mm. So I call that a forcing function. So it's $97 and a hundred people. So basically 10 grand. Okay. That's enough for me to feel committed to doing it. And I can get, I can take the next step. So the tendency is, and I've done this before as a type a, um, uh, ultra competitive person is like, I'm going to write the whole book. I'm going to just like crush myself, like go all in. And then you get to the end of it and you hated the process or nobody buys it. So what is the smallest step I can take to validate that this thing is worth doing? I love it. I love it. It also reminds me of this thing Seth Godin says about fear to walk through it. You, you go, what is the smallest thing I can do in front of the smallest group of people in order to teach myself that fear won't kill me? I don't know. Something like yeah, that. Right. Yeah. Okay. Well, Dan, uh, this has been a, a sheer delight. Um, where should people go? Well, we bought the domain to send them to Amazon, correct? Yeah. People should go to riggingamazon.com. <laughs> Who thought of that? Sorry. Um, a brilliant, brilliant person named Anna. I don't know her last name. God, you got the word brilliant in there. So you, Dan, thank you so much for this. You guys, thank you for listening. Go get Dan's book. Um, you know, it only, only if you are a purpose-driven entrepreneur and you now know what that is um, and rig the game. So thank you. Wait, don't go anywhere. I have a surprise for you. Yeah, it's Anna. And I have a whole new podcast. Yeah, I do. Welcome to the Publishing Party Pod. No, that's not an oxymoron. I'm Anna David, and I'm the New York Times bestselling author of eight books, including Party Girl. And I'm Zara Berry, the critically acclaimed author of Girls Stop Passing Out in Your Makeup. We're writers who think the life of a writer should be fun. Publishing Party Pod is for any writer who agrees. In this season, we're focusing on all the things you are not supposed to write about. But we do anyway. Enjoy the party. Find it wherever you get your podcasts.